This is Billionaires in Boxes, empowering one billion entrepreneurs, one podcast at a time. No time to be a loser. Gonna live the life that you choose to. Time to make a little money and gain some influence with Phil Palucha. Yeah, you want more sales? Want to be known? Want to get it popping? Want to be a billionaire? And your boxes go from unknown to unknown. Hello and welcome to this edition of Billionaires in Boxes with me, your host, Phil Palucha. I am joined by the fabulous Bron Williams, all the way from Australia. We've been putting the world to rights in my virtual green room beforehand. Uh, This podcast has been a long time in the making. Bron, welcome to the show. Thank you, Phil. It's fantastic to be here. Excellent. I love it. Love it. So I was going to say for our audience, I haven't come across you before. Why don't you give us a little bit of a, a flavor as to who you are and what you're all about? Yeah, well, as you can see behind me, I'm the bias specialist. And over the next 30 minutes, I'm going to show you why you haven't yet found that silver bullet because it's actually your decision-making that's holding back your business. But the good news is I'm going to show you how to overcome it. Beautiful. And you're right. I like that a lot, actually, because uh, I think everybody's looking for a silver bullet. I think uh, the the millions and millions, if not billions, of books sold every single year in personal business development will teach and testify to that. Um, how did you get into the field then? So you said you're a, the, you're the bias specialist. How does that work? Okay. Well, I've, as you can tell from my uh, grey hair, I've been around the sun quite a few times. So background in education, midlife, things change as they often do. Joined the Salvation Army and ended wow. up working on a tiny Pacific island uh, called Nauru and working with asylum seekers. And it was while I was there, both working with the asylum seekers and the Nauruan people, that I was confronted with two of my own biases. I don't know that I'd actually come across that word or understood what it meant, but Mm. I could see things in myself that didn't fit with how I viewed myself. And one was a latent racism, just Mm. purely from growing up in a largely white, middle-class, conservative Australia, And the other was this sense of superiority that I noticed in myself and the other white expats who were working there and um, sat down with one of the Nauruan staff one day and told them about it. And they just said, yeah, we know that about you guys, but we just accept it. And explored then this sense of superiority, what it meant, and, of course, came across the term white privilege for the first time. Mm. So there were two biases that I hadn't intended to be part of my life. I didn't actually want there. I didn't ask for them, but they were. And then I had to go and find out, well, what do I do with these Mm. two things that have formed in my life quite unintentionally? And that started me on a personal journey that I have now turned into a business of helping government departments, sporting bodies, businesses to Mm. look for the biases in their own thinking that are influencing their decision-making. Wow, that's powerful. Okay, there's a lot to unwrap there. Um, I can see, well, I can see where a lot of these biases come from because I've had a number of them myself, and I think we've actually had this conversation. You know, my I was uh, yeah. I was raised in a single parent family, in and out of the social care system, so we weren't in a great place. And uh, my mum, whether I like to admit this publicly or not, is is pretty racist. Um, she's very pro white. She's very anti immigration. She doesn't really trust anybody's religion that isn't hers. Classic little Englander in in many respects. Um, my wife is South India, South African Indian Muslim. <laughs> um, so 
Uh, ah well, I I never dated a non-white person prior to to meeting my wife, and and actually, you know, I don't know how it is in Australia, but I, I grew up as a teenager around that fear culture after sort of nine nine uh, where every Muslim was going to try yes. and kill you, and it was all terrifying. And I and I, I've never admitted this on a podcast, but I admit it now, and it seems utterly ridiculous. Now I'm married into a very very loving Muslim family, but I'll admit this: when I was about fifteen years old. I was on the bus to Manchester and we stopped outside a mosque and a Muslim guy got on with a backpack and I got off and waited till the next bus. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and that, because that's the culture yeah, of fear that we grew up in. That was what we were being taught. They're out to get you. They're the bad guy. Yeah. They're the enemy. They're the boogeyman under the bed. Yeah. Like they're real. And they go to that yep. church over there, <laughs> you know? Um, mm, that's right. But it, it's one of the things that I think you know, I'm a big believer in travel broadens the mind and traveling around the world and seeing and experiencing all these amazing cultures, Africa, India, even parts of Asia, uh, as well as even Europe, there's so many different types of cultures. But the one thing I realized, despite everybody's differences, is quite how much we have in common. You know, the same conversations are happening in different languages, in Absolutely. different cultures, in different time zones all over the world. What do you want yep. for dinner? Where did you leave that? Have you seen the remote? <laughs> like we're all having the same conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think um, what I'd, somewhere along the line, I'd learned that difference was a threat. Mm. And so this experience and reflecting on it, was helped me to turn that, and that's why I talk about overcoming bias or working with bias rather than eliminating it because bias is just simply part of how we think. I went from seeing difference as a threat to seeing it as an asset Mm. to be able to appreciate the different ways that people look at things. Yes, we all want the same things. We want to be loved. We want to be safe. We want to have a family. We want to have meaningful occupation. But we do come at these things from a different point of view and that difference really broadens our understanding, a bit like travel does, because we mm. see the differences and we learn to appreciate them. Okay, I'm curious because I'm, I'm burning to ask this question and I'm sure anybody listening wants me to as well. So when you're working with people then, it took you going to somewhere to do that work to recognise your own bias, right? You, so prior yes. to that, I think it would have been fair to say, if I'd have asked you, you'd have said, well, I don't have any bias. I don't make any prejudgments. I don't feel that way. Is that Absolutely. not the response that you get from the government bodies and the people when you approach them to say, let me help with you work with bias? Is it not just a default response of, I don't have any, we don't think that way? There are some that do that, and that's more on an individual level. Mm. Um uh, though I, ha- I d- have had people that, uh, you know, the gatekeepers that you talk to in organisations who go, oh, no, that's not an issue for us. And you go, okay, I'm just, <laughs> because you know it is, you know it is a, hu- it's a human issue. It's got nothing to do with the colour of your skin yeah. or your racial background, your faith background or anything like that, your age, your gender. It's a human problem. So, Actually, some of the common objections that I hear, first of all, is that unconscious bias training doesn't work. And right. if you Google that online, you will find a number of um, articles there that people say definitely doesn't work. 
The other one that I commonly get is people go, oh, yeah, we're already doing online training with that. You know, our staff just, you know, they click onto this and and off they go. And then the third one, which I have found is more common than I thought, but which surprised me initially, was management. So not necessarily the person I'm liaising with in the company who is often the D&I champion, um, someone in, you know, the Cald network, you know, um, people of diverse from diverse backgrounds, but mm. they see that management pushes back because management is concerned that unconscious bias training is going to make people vulnerable and bring up difficult emotions. So they're the three main objections mm. that I get. It actually, it reminds me a little bit of uh, a friend of mine who works in uh, diversity and inclusion training. And they were telling me of this horror story about this company and they they got through to the CEO because some one of the gatekeepers thought this is a good conversation. You should come through. Mm-hmm. And he said, I don't really understand what it is that you do. So like what kind of workshops have you been doing? And she says, oh, you know, racial inclusion, even things about, you know, the LGBT community, uh, about preparing for what happens if you have a transgender person, what happens if you have blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And he stops and says, oh, no, I, we're not going to need that. We're all normal here. That was his response. And I'm thinking, that's sure. We're fine. But he didn't see the irony of what he'd said. No, no, we're all fine because we're all normal. And it's like, great. So that that shows that you don't have a policy then. And not only that, the person leading this ship doesn't have a clue what's going on. This is this is heading for the end. So he's like, do you know what? Best of luck with that iceberg. I'll leave you to it. Absolutely. That's right. They're the ones where you just smile and say, thank you very much and walk away. Yeah, I do not blame you. Look, I'm curious then. So just like when they told me, you know, and this was complete nonsense, like in fact, the irony was that answer clearly says that there is a problem. I imagine you find the same with the three that people say to you then because they, I was looking at your face when you were saying them and I'm pretty sure you believe at least all, you know, two of them, if not all of them are nonsense, right? Well, see, the thing is people are running programs. Yeah, okay. Maybe they um, have seen that there's issues right. and they're running programs but they're not actually getting to where they want to go because they still haven't got to that silver bullet, which mm. is bias, which influences our decision-making because it's our biases that it's our bias that made you get off the bus. Mm. It's yeah. the bias that makes you cross the road or it's the bias that allows fear to well up in you when you see a group of people who are different to you walking down the road. Sure. But what what I say to people is that particularly around the um, idea of our bias training doesn't work is, well, remember back to when you were starting to ride a bike, learning to Mm. ride a bike? You didn't, after that first wobbly handlebars or the tip off and the grazed knee, you didn't say bike riding doesn't work. Mm, you actually got back on the bike and you tried again and now you can ride a bike even without you don't even have to consciously think about what you're doing it's the same with unconscious bias training because Mm. bias has been part of our lives for such a long time like from childhood to actually start to become aware of it build that awareness start to know how to address it we have to do some training we need to put things in place where we're looking at this on a regular basis. And I one of the things that I thought about with the uncomfortable emotions, the reality is actually this could happen 
Because yeah. sometimes we're confronted, as you've said today, you've shared something today that you normally don't because there's a sense of, oh, that wasn't quite right. Yeah, you know, we yeah. feel uncomfortable about the aspects of ourselves that we deem to be, you know, less presentable, the things that we don't want other people to know. And so sure. we can feel maybe some shame and guilt around that. So these things might come up. But it's much better to do that in a regulated environment mm. with a human being, you know, having a human-centred interaction where as things come up, they can be addressed, there can be support. So you're not just having people interacting with an online program and there sure. are times for online programs, but they're a bit down the track. So to have this sort of space where these emotions can come up can be discussed, and I'll probably find out that there's a lot of people in the room who are feeling exactly the same. And mm. so, you know, then the workplace atmosphere actually develops rather than deteriorates. I mean, it almost feels like the, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but it almost feels a little bit like those online programs are the physiotherapy you do after an operation to keep the momentum going. Whereas you still need the workshop, the, the, the safe environment of the operation in this context to heal the injury, going straight to physio, isn't going to help you recover from the injury. In fact, it's just going to be a, another box to tick kind of exercise. Oh, I have to do half an hour on the customer engagement program and half an hour on this inclusion and bias thing. And it, it, it loses its momentum. It loses its power. Oh, look, I've, um, and I'm sure your audience has been in this situation as well. In um, one an organisation that I used to work for, we had to do bullying and harassment training. Right. And we had a staff member come back in and jokingly say, now I know how to bully people. <laughs> <laughs> like okay. she meant it as a joke and, I, of and course. she was not. She, didn't have any bullying. But, they, see, that's the reality. When you do something in a, in a separated manner, you haven't actually talked with people, you haven't introduced the concept mm. and had people time to discuss it. If you just go straight to online training, it is definitely the tick the box, and that's mm. probably one of my frustrations as a trainer, mm. as a consultant, is when people just want to tick the box because what they'll do often is they do the training, then nothing changes, then they go back to, oh, unconscious bias training doesn't work. Okay, it's because yeah. they actually, all they've done, it's a loop. All they've done is tick the box because it's the flavour of the day. Yeah, yeah. We'll get this done. We can say we've done this. And then they wonder why nothing has changed. So for those people then who, okay, so obviously there's the people that just want to tick a box, right? And, and we have them in every industry. Uh, in fact, I yes. recently gave somebody their money back about two or three months ago because a company paid for, I think it was like the investors paid for the MD to do something. And his first line out of his mouth with me was, I'm here because podcasts are meant to be cool. Just teach me what I need to know so I can crack on with my day. And I said, no, I'm good. Thanks. I'm going to give you your money back. This is a waste of time. Uh... Um, and he wasn't very happy. He tried to say, "Oh no, please!" No, I was—I didn't mean it the way it came out. And he was like, "No, no, it's fine. You've shown your colours. I've shown mine. But I respect myself enough to say no to that." And I get that you do exactly the same. But for those people who do want to change or are certainly open to the possibility of recognizing their own unconscious bias, I am curious. And maybe this is a little bit, hopefully not political, but certainly topical. How do you? 
how do I want to word this? Do you constantly feel like it's a battle because you're trying to help somebody recognize an unhealthy unconscious bias whilst the news and media are busy reaffirming the biases that they currently hold? Oh, oh that's a great question. Um, so yes and no is probably the, the, the most uh, accurate answer, even if it's a bit vague. Yes, and certainly during the pandemic, um, uh, we had a commentator here say that the fault lines in our society have become clear, and I love that analogy mm. of, you know, the fault lines uh, making earthquakes because they've become really, really clear during right. the pandemic. Right. The things that we've been able to gloss over and go, you know, oh, we're actually quite nice people, you know, there's been so much in the media about divisions between people, between cultures, um, and just uh, on so many levels. I've had fun <laughs> during yeah. the pandemic yeah. because for me it's actually been helpful because yeah. people can see the biases that then result in racist, gendered, sexist, you know, behaviours. So, yes, so in that way it's made it easier for me because people can see it more clearly. Um, and I think people are starting to realise that actually this is a human problem. More people are starting to talk um, about unconscious bias. It's not the complete unknown that it was, say, 10 years ago. And so um, people are starting to understand that. I think the, well, certainly one of my goals is to normalise the conversation around right. bias because I think that whole, you know, finger-pointing, you're biased, um, has been used in judgment yeah. and, you know, with the accompanying shame and guilt. Yeah. However, the reality is all of us are biased, every human being on the planet, from the smallest child through to the oldest adult. We're all biased. It's part of how we think. So if we can start to understand that, this is part of just being a human being, but it does have some difficult consequences, mm. then we can then we can just sort of reduce that sense of I'm a bad person because, no, you're not actually a bad person, but you've got some unhelpful ways of thinking. So let's see how we can deal with those. Sure, and I think that's really fair to say, isn't it? Because all, 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 somebody used the analogy once that I liked, which is because all behaviour is learned. It's like downloading software onto a computer, but that doesn't mean that you're not going to download a buggy program or get one with a virus. It also doesn't mean that you should live with the virus. It also doesn't mean that you should never download anything again in case it's a virus. Um, you know, as I thought that was quite a, a smart way of putting it. So I, I'm curious, I mean, in terms of your work then, um, can you kind of give us a, a couple of examples of times when you've worked with people and, and exactly what it is that you do and, and, I'm curious, actually, maybe about the ones that maybe surprised you the most in terms of the outcome or the response. Maybe you took somebody from that mindset of, oh, this is nonsense, I'm just doing it to tick a box, to, wow, actually, that really opened my eyes. Thank you. I'm seeing things differently. Yeah. Yeah, well, the first that comes to mind is a probably a small to medium business, around 30 people. They're an architecture firm uh, here in Australia, have an ethnic diverse staff, um, about 60% women. So we've got this nice mix there. They contracted a local company to do some diversity and inclusion training, mm -hmm. uh, you know, wanting to 
support local uh, local business, local consultants. However, after the first hour, they actually asked the trainer to leave because the training was so bad. Oh, now, when wow. they were talking to me, they didn't articulate what that meant, but it was just, I think, gosh, it must have been terrible if they actually asked the trainer yeah. to leave. So when I, as you do, you know, you approach people and they said yes to a conversation about this and then I learned that I'm thinking, my goodness, I'm amazed that they even wanted to consider looking at another program after that right. terrible um, situation. But during the course of the conversation, the uh, the owner of this company said, we don't know what we don't know. And I mm. thought that is such a key. And they could recognise in me that I knew what I was talking about mm. and that I would, they had confidence that I would be able to, uh, to bring the training um, that they were looking for. And it's been such a privilege to work with them because of that level of trust yeah. that they've extended to me after such a terrible start to this sort of um, endeavour. You know, so that was that was an amazing um, situation. And then on the other end of the scale in terms of size, I'm currently working with um, one of the peak national sporting bodies here okay. in Australia. Yeah, yeah. Um, right at the very beginning, they, uh, they're right at the very beginning of their unconscious bias training. Right. You know, their words were, we have an appetite to address bias, but no knowledge of how to go about it. Fair and enough. that to me is always music to my ears yeah, because absolutely. these are people who are saying we recognise we need to do something but we don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. We also recognise that you're the specialist in this. And so, we, again, it comes back to that trust. We're trusting you that yeah. you're going to be able to, um, to help us because what they're uh, plan is to roll out an education program across their 600-plus staff, um, mostly right. based here in Melbourne, but uh, some around Australia as well. So, again, so that has involved um, online training in terms of me delivering mm -hmm. um, uh, face to, well, as much face-to-face -face as we have been able yeah. to do during COVID. We are going to do, as a follow-up, we are going to do some of my online programs. Beautiful. Because I said, online programs are not a problem in themselves. But as you rightly said, mm. you've got to do the operation first. They're in support of, yeah. Them. It's the recuperation yeah, work, isn't it? Yeah. That's right. That's right. So, again, it was this sense of honour and trust that they chose me as their starting point because I have the responsibility and the privilege to now set the tone for their future training and for their standard because I will start the process for them. I will not be the last unconscious bias trainer mm. that they have. Um, I'm not the unicorn. I don't do everything. But yes. if I can get businesses, organisations started well, then they have a standard and they know what to look for when they want to move and do something more, say two or three years down the track or even 18 months down the track. And I, I like both of those stories because I think they, they, they both kind of come back to the point of, they want to improve, but had no idea where to where to begin. And I think that's that's really important. It's interesting, isn't it? Because yeah, it's almost uh, the work needs to be done. Of course, it does. But it's almost yeah. the there's almost three different levels of people. There's the people who don't believe that they have 
any bias at all and don't need any support. There's the people that recognize they do have bias, but don't know how to deal with it. And there's the people that know they have bias, but have no interest in changing it. Um, yes. And I think they're the most interesting people, to be honest, because because they they own their stupid. <laughs> no, I don't mean that. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. <laughs> but like they they know who and what they are, and it's like I have no interest in learning. My, and being very personal again, my mother was very like that. My mother, like my, I loved learning about other people's cultures, especially from my travels and with my wife in particular and her family. My mum had no interest in that. Um, you know, she 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 believed what she believed. In fact, the funny, I remember very very clearly. They didn't have an argument, but it was a bit of a heated discussion between my mum telling my wife something about the Islamic faith and my wife saying, "That's not true. That never happened. Yes. I don't know where that's come from." And my mum's going, "Well, somebody told it me once, so it's definitely true, and I'm sticking with it." And it's like you have someone of that faith in front of you telling you that's nonsense, and you can't look past it. It's like, nope, that's what I believe, and I'm sticking to it. Um, so I love those two yes. stories, because but that's what I think is really interesting, that they both have that in common. They both know that they want to change. And actually, I think the, the really cool yes. thing about this is they're doing it for the right reasons by the sounds of both of those stories. And what I mean by that is yes. there is a there's a byproduct of this, isn't there, that often has a positive impact on uh, intercompany relations, better relationships with their clients, which can produce yes. better profit and better Absolutely. revenue and more growth. And it makes it an easier place to recruit and to train and to retain. So it saves a lot of money. And if you come at it from that purpose, you're probably not going to get all that much out of it. But if you come at it with the intention of being, I don't want to sound so cheesy, but almost pure of intent, you know, you have some, some uh, unconscious bias, you want to cure them. And the upside to that is that business will improve as a result. That's a win-win situation for everybody. Absolutely. And I, um, I, in, as part of um, my presentations, I actually do say, well, what are the benefits of working with bias? Because people want to know, um, know that. But you're quite right. Doing it because you know that it's important. Yeah. That's the, probably the best place to start. But you're completely right. Like McKinsey did a, um, they did research across 366 companies in Latin America, the UK, USA and Canada. And they found that companies who were in the top 25% for racial and ethnic diversity, so they were being intentional about expanding the difference within their company, actually had a 15% growth in their, in their net profit above their, their industry medians. So there's been studies around this that actually says this actually works. This mm. is good for business to look at those preconceived ideas that often probably a bit unlike your mum, we're not always as aware of yeah. um, as, as, we, yeah. um, as we go through, um, you know, our daily interactions, but they are actually impacting, um, mm. particularly our decision-making because we make decisions based on what we believe to be true about the world. It's a, it actually reminds me a lot, and the stats are very similar as well, to the world of uh, corporate charity and corporate social responsibility. And again, that can be approached from two angles. 
you can either give to a community or a charity or a project and you can empower people that need your support and need your time. And often as a result of that, people want to work with you because of the charitable causes you're involved in. Um, you know, uh, uh, consumers will make a decision based on the fact that they've seen that you're helping those charities. Great example of that is Tom's Shoes. The whole buy one, buy one pair and a pair of shoes is donated to somebody else. I own two pairs of those shoes. That's I'm going right. to be honest. I don't even like those shoes, but I bought them because of the the, the story, the reason behind it. Mm. And, you know, but then there's the, other, often it creates media attention as well. But the flip side of this is if you get involved in charity for the media attention, for the increased sales, for the visibility, yeah. you know, it kind of reminds me a lot of these people that will give money to a homeless person while taking a selfie of themselves that they can put on Instagram whilst doing it. It's like, it's the approach, mm. it's, it's the, it's the intention set behind it that commands the results you get off the other end of it. You can all go through the motions, but the person with intent is going to be the person that gets that result, in my opinion. Oh, oh look, I would completely agree with you because I think um, people who do things for show mm. or it's it really, in a sense, it's another version of tick the box. We've done it because we know we should. Okay, yeah. There's no real intention for change. See, that's the thing. There's no real intention for change. This is all about how good do I look, who can I impress? And most of us can see through those sorts of people and and we think, oh, well, look, it's nice that they're doing that, but we get cynical um, about about their intentions. But for the people who do things from the right intention, if you're a business owner and you want, there's nothing wrong with you wanting your business to grow. That, sure. Like that's what business owners want to do. That's that that is a pure intention as well. But if you recognise that your business will grow when your staff are looked after, when you're making the most clear-headed decisions that you can, when you understand that, that's when you look for the people who can assist you to mm. do that, and that's when all of that blossoms. Because it's it's what's going on between our ears that impacts so much of our lives no you're so so right oh i could do this forever um however i am aware that there'll be lots of people listening thinking i i'm loving the sound of this you know how do i get in contact do you just work with australian businesses are you open to having conversations with people all over who who listening to this that's interested should get in contact with you and how um, yes, look, I do work. I'm based in Melbourne and work worldwide. Um, I picked up a global um, corporate in Unilever in the middle of the pandemic last year. So, you know, it uh, in with technology, and we've all become so much better at using technology. Yes, I certainly do uh, presentations um, across the globe. I've I've done some work in the UK and Europe as well. And while ever COVID is um, rearing its ugly egg, I think um, (laughs) international travel (laughs) is probably not going to be as easy. So yes, Mm. I'm more than happy love to be able to work because for me, that's all about the diversity of thought and difference that I love working with. Oh, I'm I'm listen, uh, just to, to echo that point. I'm so, so with you. My, my business is made up of six different countries. And I think we've got probably as many different religions and certainly as many races. And that's because I, there's no point having loads of people that think like me and behave like me because they're just going to give me the same answers. I need different input from different people, different feelings, different perspectives. 
that's absolutely what I love. And, and I love what you're saying there as well, because actually, you know, somebody else bringing a fresh perspective from Australia might be able to help that US business more than that local that, that local yes. business, because they, they believe what you believe, right? They grew up in the same area. They had the same shared experiences. So in uh, as we said earlier, yeah. travel broadens the, the mind. But whilst there is not enough travel happening at the moment, let's do more virtual travel and more virtual skills exchanges with each other. Absolutely. So, Bron, how do people get in yes, touch with you? Absolutely. Well, you can jump onto my website. So that's bronwilliams.com. If you want to email me, go to info at bronwilliams.com. Or you can stalk me on LinkedIn because I'm there as <laughs> Bron Williams, the bar specialist. Absolutely love it. Well, I will put all of those links in the show notes below. So if you've enjoyed the conversation with Bron and this has really resonated with you and I, and I and I strongly urge you to follow that gut feeling, head over into the show notes now. Uh, it's three different ways there to get in contact with Bron. Maybe take all three just to make sure that you absolutely get hold of her because she's a very busy and in-demand woman. Um, but I am sure that you will have a wonderful conversation with her and who knows where it can take your business. I mean, this is it's a powerful thing when you get it right. And um I would almost argue that if anybody sat listening to this going, no, nah, it's probably not us. We don't have that problem. You more than anybody should pick up that phone. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And look, I'm happy for people to um, have my uh, my mobile number as well. So we'll pop that um, into the show notes as well. So Wonderful. We'll pop it in the show notes so everyone can get in contact Excellent. with you. Bron, thank you so much for being here. I think... Um, I think my biggest takeaway from what you've said, other than the, the, the diversity of the clients that you work with, I think the biggest lesson for me has been that, you know, in both of the stories that you shared, they had, a despite the fact they were very different sized businesses, different industries, different sectors, they both recognized that they had unbiased conscious, uh, unconscious bias, but didn't really know how to deal with that. You know, they don't, I don't know what I don't know, I think is a very powerful statement because um, a lot of the world will either muddle through and pretend they do or will bury their head and say, well, the stuff I don't know doesn't matter. Well, you don't know that because you don't know. <laughs> um, absolutely. So, but no, so I absolutely love that. And I think that's that's the biggest takeaway that I've taken from this is that, uh, you know, if, if we all just kind of start to recognize that we don't know what we don't know and be more open to learning, who knows where the potential yes. possibilities can take us. Absolutely, absolutely. And there's always more to learn, and that's why we get a lifetime to do it. Every day's a school day. Absolutely. Bron, thank you so much for being here. I've really enjoyed our discussion. I always enjoy our discussions, and I'm so glad we finally got to do this uh, on the podcast. As I said, highly encourage people to go to the show notes below, get in contact with Bron and buy other which by whichever format is going to work best for you. I'm going to go and do myself a very British thing and go and make a cup of tea. Bron, what's you, what have you got planned for the rest of the day? Uh, I, I think a cup of tea sounds great. Or maybe a, even a cup of coffee. A good cup of tea and a good cup of coffee. We'll, we'll, we'll do it, right? Yep. You go and enjoy that brew. I will do exactly the same. I look forward to our next conversation. To our audience, I really hope you've enjoyed this. There's been so many powerful points in here. Uh, I, I, for one, will definitely be re-listening back to this. I hope you do too. Feel free to share this far and wide with anybody. You never know who needs to hear it and at what moment this can have a profound impact on them. So that could be your good deed for the day just by simply clicking share. It's not bad, is it? Massive kudos for a two-second task. So take care of yourselves and we'll see you next time. This is Billionaires and Boxers, attracting our tribe with our vibe.
that's what you want. Making money while you in your box of shorts. Feel like nothing or nobody is stopping you. Even when they said it, it was impossible. No need for hesitation. Feel P, yeah, that's your man. Go from the best kept secret to the go-to brand. Let's go. Hey, billionaires, billionaires and boxes. Hey, billionaires, billionaires and boxes. Hey, time to grow. Make the world know all about you. Hey, billionaires, billionaires and boxes. Let's go.